switching tabs. Hi, and welcome to another episode of That Podcast. I'm Bo, and Dave won't be joining us today. Instead, we are joined by Eileen Webb. Eileen, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Eileen Webb. I am a content strategist, um, also sort of a recovering back-end developer. I live on a small farm in northern New Hampshire. There are chickens outside my window. I'm very excited to be here. Nice. Well, welcome. Yeah, I, uh, I I saw a call out from you on Twitter a while back saying that you'd love to be on some more podcasts. So uh, both Dave and I agreed that a lot of the stuff that you talk about or a lot of the stuff that you've at least discussed on Twitter seemed like they'd be a good fit for us. Uh, so hopefully we will have you on again to talk about some of the other things as well. Uh, but today I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about self-care. It sounds like that you have a, a lot of opinions on on self-care and working from home and working with teams. So uh, would you like to just start off with a little bit of a discussion on that? Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, I do have a lot of opinions about everything, frankly, um, but self-care is definitely one of them. Uh, so I have worked for myself at home, like out of my own office since really since like 2003, maybe. Um, and so... I've been very like self-directed in all of my work. And, and I also, I have chronic migraines. Um, and so 14 or 15 days a month, I will have a migraine, uh, at some point in the day or for all of the day. Uh, and it has made me very, very conscious of sort of the ways I take care of myself and the ways I shape my work day and like literally like the way I shape my office, um, and, and everything from the way I schedule myself to, um, you know, to sort of long-term contracts and all kinds of things. Um, because, because if I push myself too hard, uh, I will get even more migraines. And so, um, so yeah, I have, I have sort of lots of, lots of different things that I, that I pay attention to that I think that, um, I, I feel like there's a, there's a larger conversation around self-care right now happening in tech. Like it's becoming a thing that people are talking about more. Uh, and I have been thinking about it and sort of paying attention mm -hmm. to it for a very long time. Um, which is not to say I have better ideas than other people, but just that, like, uh, I have a lot of them. And you have a lot of real world experience in trying to implement some of these things as opposed to people just having ideas. Like, hey, we should try this. Whereas yes. you, you kind of know things that work well for you. Um, yes. I, I, have you worked with like other people as well that sort of have benefited from kind of working through some of these things? Or is it mostly just your own experiences that you've had? Um, I do a lot of work in teams, like as a content strategist, I'm a person who like, I don't, not very much of my work is sort of in isolation. Most of it is in combination with UX people and developers and uh, business managers and all kinds of folks. And so, so I do do a lot of work with teams. Um, and, and I think one of the things that's interesting is working in teams is like finding things, especially structural things you can do in your team that support everyone's need for, uh, sort of self-care and, and like the ability to organize their days in, in ways that work best for them. Um, I'm thinking in particular, because I'm, I was just working on it with a client just last week, um, that like the move towards, um, agile and like kind of sprint based project shapes, um, is something that like, I think about a lot because the default, sort of way to work in sprints is that you go from sprint to sprint to sprint to sprint to sprint. And that doesn't leave any downtime. And that doesn't leave any time for 
um, unless you explicitly decide to schedule it in, like decide to schedule like a down sprint, a week off every four sprints or something like that. Um, it's really easy to just have that feel just like a kind of a relentless slog. Um, and, and it doesn't mean you're like sort of, it's not that people aren't necessarily excited about it. And it's not even necessarily people moving towards something as severe as getting like burned out, although that's obviously a risk also. But just the little bit of sort of um, taking up people's reserve, essentially, and just like wearing down the kind of extra bit of flexibility that we have when uh, like when we're well rested and when we have sort of had enough downtime and enough breathing room and um, and also just like the the boring practicalities of like maybe at some point you're like, you know what, I would like to switch the tool that I'm using to manage my repos. But like you need a couple you need like a day or two to do that. Right. Um, and so if the reason you wanted to move is because you were having an annoyance with the old tool and you found a new tool, but you haven't had time to sort of just literally do the logistical switch and get all your config settings correct, that that ends up being something that that feels like a drain, right? And that feels kind of exhausting um, and, and kind of eats away at you in tiny ways. And it it limits your ability to be kind and generous with the people you work with. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How much, like, like what kind of strategies do you have for this, like fixing these structural things on teams? I think the big thing, I mean, the hugest thing, of course, is having a, a, a team leader. If you are in a, if you're in like a hierarchical team, having a team leader who believes that this is important. And if you're in a team of colleagues, right? Like if you are you and three other people working on some projects and maybe no one is like the boss of anyone else, um, coming to a shared understanding about what is important. I definitely like, I work on some teams that I have worked on for a number of years and we have we have like come to a very explicit understanding where like, if we will tell each other to like, turn off your computer, like don't be here anymore. If someone's getting frustrated with something and they, you know, express across Slack, they're like, Oh, I just can't figure this thing out. We're like, go for a walk. It's beautiful outside. Um, you know, <laughs> and like mm-hmm. just sort of being, making a culture creating, it's like a tiny little organizational culture, but maybe just with your team of like three or four pals that you're working on a project with, um, creating a culture where no one is grumpy if you're like, you know what, I'm going to like, I'm not going to come in until 11 a.m. on Tuesday morning because I like, I really want to go outside because it's beautiful or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And really just sort of making a space where that's okay. And where like, there's no questioning of like, I have a doctor's appointment uh, Thursday at 3 p.m. I won't be able to make that meeting and that no one is like, ooh, can you move the appointment or could you call in from the car or like any of that kind of stuff. Like prioritizing, in some ways, actually prioritizing your friend's health can be a good stepping stone to taking the step to prioritize your own health and well-being. Sometimes it's easier to be like, well, of course I want you to feel good. Of course you shouldn't. If you have the flu, do not work from home. You know, don't like call into this meeting when you're all like sneezy and whatever, like just take the day off. It's fine. And it's like, we do that for each other. And, and then it kind of bleeds over eventually into being able to make that same statement for yourself. Yeah. I think it's, I think uh, in many ways it's easier to look at problems or issues in other people's lives than it is sometimes to look at your own. So I think there's, there's a lot to be said about that of being able to, help other people realize that they don't always have to 
be on, for example. One of the things that I did, uh, I think toward the end of last year, was I, um, I bought a second phone to put my, my main clients everything on so that I wasn't always on. But yeah, sometimes I've, I've gotten like weird looks when I will show someone that I have a second phone and not that I'm like showing off, Hey, look, I've got two phones. Uh, more like if I take my phone out of my pocket and I take both out at the same time, like roll their eyes, be like, Oh, why do you have two phones? Um, but it's made a huge difference to me. Uh, most, most of the people that I work with are actually in France. Um, so I, you know, I have a lot of remote team issues to deal with. Um, but one of them is that they would wake up at four o'clock my time and start emailing. Maybe not necessarily to me, um, but their schedule was so far off that, you know, if I would wake up in the middle of the night for whatever reason and make the mistake of picking up my phone, I'd have six new messages to look at from the, the French team that didn't even impact me. Uh, before I could get to anything else. Um, so, you know, that's made a huge difference to me to have a phone that I bring with, like if I'm on call during the day or whatever, I'll bring that phone with me, but otherwise I don't because I don't need to see the, ch the chatter from them um, unless I'm actually working. So that's, that's been a, a huge thing for me. Um, it just the, the whole idea of working with a team that's that remote has sort of had some really strange scheduling problems for us. Uh, they, they were having a, a sort of a traditional stand-up style meeting at, I think, 8 a.m. or 10 a.m., something there. So it was like 10 a.m. their time, which was for my time. And I started to, like, miss out on a lot of details because I wouldn't know what's going on. And I'll, be, I'll find out secondhand from someone that somebody else was having an issue that I could have really helped on uh, that I just wouldn't know about uh, because I wasn't on any of those meetings. So we tried to switch those to sort of the boundary of what was acceptable for both of us. Um, and so we were doing 7 a.m. meetings, my time, U.S. Central time. And I worked well for about a week. <laughs> then pretty much for like two months straight, I was like crawling out of bed and putting my contacts in just in time to, you know, click connect on the meeting. Um, and that just wasn't working. And I was feeling pretty down on myself. I was feeling pretty bad about how useless my meeting, my 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 contribution to the meeting was because I, I was barely awake, much less, you know, knew what I was going to work on that day or knew, you know, remembered what kind of problems I had the day before. Uh, so I, I just went through that process of asking them to, you know, I said, we, we need to either not have me at these meetings or push it back. And I know you've already pushed it back pretty late into your day, uh, but it would really help me out a lot. And everyone was super on board, which was awesome. Uh, so we actually ended up pushing it back to 10, 10 a.m. my time, uh, which was toward the end of their day. But just today now, someone was was saying, well, can we push it forward just a little bit? So we're, we're still tweaking it. And I like the fact that we can kind of go back and forth on trying to make these things better for everybody. Uh, because it's right now it's at 5 o'clock their time, which is really close to the end of the day. But not everybody always goes all the way to 5. Now, I don't want people to feel like they have to stay until 5 just so they could talk for two minutes. Um you know, if they have other things they need to do or whatever. So we're going to, we're still in the process of changing that. But that's kind of one of those like structural things that we're, we're trying to work on on one of the teams that I'm working with uh, to try and make the, make people's lives a little better, including my own, which I, I, I've been, I felt so much better for the last week on those meetings just because <laughs> I'm actually awake and I can actually, you know, contribute to the discussions in a more meaningful way. 
Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of like the the accessibility principle that when you design something to work well for like for a less abled audience that you that you almost universally are going to create something that is better than if you design something that sort of works generically well for the average person and that thinking about like shifting a, a morning stand up to an afternoon or eventually even like if it sort of makes sense because of the wackiness of time zones and stuff shifting to a space where uh you do stand ups like in slack or in whatever chat app you're using right and if they're only going to be like a couple sentences per person um i've even seen like slack bots that sort of like will prompt and facilitate that kind of like just a little bit of like a stand up meeting for you um and that's the kind of thing that like that doesn't work for every team, but the teams that it can work for all of a sudden it's easier for people to join if they're traveling. It's easier for them if they need to leave and pick up kids at daycare. Like there are a whole bunch of things that um, that like maybe the generic like one size fits all doesn't really fit anyone. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think for me, like I, I, we, we do have a lot of automated tools to handle some things. Like we, uh, we have a support rotation. So, um, which was kind of doing some weird system before and then we got out of it because we replaced one of the mail servers or something else and everything broke. Uh, so we have a, a new Slack bot that manages the support rotation so that people can pause themselves, unpause themselves. It notifies everybody in the morning who's on support that day, that sort of thing, uh, which has been really nice. Uh, but with the standup, I, even if it wasn't a standup, and I, I, that was one of the things that I proposed was I like to talk to everybody every day, even if it's just for like two minutes, you know, being able to, to do some sort of face-to-face -face visual thing um, helps me feel more part of the team, even if it's not like filling a, a you know, ticking a box like, oh, we had our daily standup. Like, like have your own standup in the mornings if that's better, but then let's just say hi to each other. Sure. Once a day throughout the day is kind of almost more important to me because the, you know, the back and forth of being able to do something more than just, you know, read what people have said. So I, I've, I've seen a lot of people be quite successful with automated standups like you're talking about. But for me, I was missing like the human connection. I was really only talking to one person on the team and there was, and you know, the team was only like, it's only like six or seven people. So I, I felt like I was very distant from everybody else except this one person. And I, I, at least being on these sorts of meetings helped me uh, feel more involved and kind of uh, raise my morale a bit. When I would hear that someone was upset, it was no longer just that other person on the team that was upset. I actually knew who they were and we'd actually talk to each other and, you know, it, it, it helps me quite a bit to be able to do those sorts of things. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the interesting things about looking, especially at like structures and process is looking at what people are actually getting out of them, right? Because what you're getting out of those meetings, it sounds like it's like the, the update of what tickets someone finished yesterday is like, meh, whatever. That's sort of, you know, not really that big a deal, but the connection and the sort of creation of a, an organizational culture, that's really important. And so once you kind of identify that like, oh, that's the important part, then you can tackle the problem differently, right? You can say, okay, for dates of what we did today, we can use, we can do this instead. And then for the thing where I want to like see the people who I work with all the time and have like a human conversation with them, there are lots of different ways you can tackle that once you realize that it doesn't have to be tied to like the, the stand up in the morning. Yeah, exactly. I've, you know, you mentioned agile earlier and I feel like 
for a, for a little while, I saw a lot of people like pushing for agile and more and more, I'm, I'm seeing more people pushing back against agile. And I think some of it comes back to what, what you were saying, where there's no downtime. People look at, or people have started to look at sprints as sort of being like a ongoing mm. thing where people, um, see it as like, like a mini waterfall where they have to keep working. They have to keep working on it. And it's back and forth. People just keep working on the same thing and then it's done. Then quick, you got to work on the next thing and then it's done. And you got to quick work on the next thing. And there's no real, like, like, like you were saying, there's no real downtime. Um, and I, I feel like part of that is how people are actually trying to implement it. Um, but also I feel like the, in some of the teams where like, uh, poker planning or whatever it is, uh, the poker planning parties, um, like I always thought the point of those were to talk about the work that you need to do, but, but all of the assumed extra work was supposed to have been just that it's assumed extra work. You aren't like, I don't think you were supposed to be planning, every hour of your day during those poker planning parties. And if that's what people were doing, of course, they're going to be on a, you know, a grind where they just keep going and going and going, never having time to do other things like bug fixes or, you know, having research things where they're trying to look into something new to see if they can upgrade to a different version of react or whatever it is that they need to do. Uh, I don't know. Is that something you've run into before where people are either the individuals or like the, the management side are looking at this as this is all the work you have to do and, and you're not supposed to work on anything but that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, there's two things I think one is like, is definitely that idea that like, that somehow the backlog represents like everything that exists um, when running a team and staying up to date in our industry, which obviously changes really quickly and there's new versions of things and security fixes and all that kind of stuff. Um, that, that is a job unto itself, Right. So that's a, that's a big thing that there's a lot of literal, just kind of like, I think of it as being like overhead. There's a lot of overhead that just comes with being a sort of present and aware person in this industry. Um, and your backlogs and your tickets and whatever, like can't, can't account for that. I mean, I suppose they could, but people don't make them. And then the other piece of it, um, which is the same thing, but in a sort of different in a different place in the world is, is that being a human at work also is something that takes time, right? And like having the time and the space to have good discussions with people and to like make sure that you are coming to the, the right conclusion, not just the conclusion that will get you finished by Friday. Um, and, and like all of the kind of work that goes into, um, that goes into working with each other, right? If you're working on a team of like, let's say you're on a team of like six or eight people, um, you're not going to get along equally well with all of them, right? Some people you'll be able to like breeze stuff that you're working on together. You'll be like, oh, this is great. Other people, it's going to take more time, like just literal time for you to like communicate back and forth and to make sure you're on the same page about how you're going to approach the fix and like all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and that's just like, that feels very normal to me. That's just like, that's what it's like to work with humans, right? Humans are weird and we are uh, fickle and we change a lot and we all have lives outside of our office space. And so you don't know what's going on in someone's life on this Wednesday. And maybe it's really hot where they are and maybe their air conditioning broke 
And that is going to affect like how effective they are as a problem solver. I say this as I look outside and it's like a hundred billion degrees and sunny and gross at my house. Um, and, and like, those are the kinds of things that if your schedule is rigid and if your sort of planning process is very kind of strict and regimented, that there's not, um, there's just like not enough flexibility. There's not enough leeway for people to be like, oh, I slept really badly last night. I'm going to be kind of like, I'm just going to do a bunch of like catch up stuff today. I'm not going to be able to do any like deep brain work on this like major problem we're working on. And I feel like that's a normal, those kinds of ebbs and flows are normal and appropriate and they don't indicate anything about anyone's skill level like it's just those are very normal things but we we sort of build these structures that like don't really accommodate that and that sort of pretend that those kinds of ebbs and flows aren't part of a normal healthy person's like work day right or even i don't know fourth of july falling on a wednesday and now you have two two hour yeah you have two two day weeks sort of <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, what's when schedules are too fixed, it definitely becomes more tricky to try to make those things sort of work. And something just fell in the background. Uh, I just moved. Uh, I don't think we've talked about it too much on the podcast yet, but, uh, I'm sure I'll probably be talking about it more. My, uh, kind of like you're talking, like we had, uh, air conditioning replaced earlier this week. Uh, we had a issue at the car. Uh, dealership where we had to go uh, do some things with the tires to get those fixed. And those things were a lot easier to manage when I could actually get ahead of them and tell people at 10 a.m., hey, either tell them I'm going to be busy for half the day or be able to email them before the meeting or, you know, first thing in the morning, hey, I this thing came up. I can't do it right now. Um, so, yeah, like it's really nice to be able to have some flexibility there. Um, working from home sometimes feels like that's too much flexibility for me though. Is that something you've ever run into? Not really. I'm not like, I'm not one of those people. There are definitely people and like friends and colleagues who are like, Oh, I want to go to an office every day. Like, you know, I really like the transition people who like, even if they work from home, they want to like have a very distinct like office space where they're. Uh, and so that sort of at the end of the day, they like close the door on their office and leave mm -hmm. that part of the house. And like, I, my rule is that I cannot work in pajamas, um, <laughs> but that's only because when I wear pajamas all day, I kind of feel like I'm a little sick because that's what I do when I'm a little sick, right? Is that I leave my yeah. soft pants on all day and wear like a big poofy sweatshirt or whatever. And so, so that's like my only thing is I have to put on real clothes, but, um, but yeah, I am, I am a person who really, I, I thrive in having like the having the ability to just like go and sit on the couch for 10 minutes and like do nothing or um, laptop to a different part of the house. The downstairs of my house is cooler than the upstairs right now. And so like the ability to go kind of like sprawl mm -hmm. on the tile floor downstairs because it's 12 degrees cooler <laughs> than like the carpeted upstairs, that kind of stuff for me is um, I don't have any sort of like decision paralysis around that, but I definitely know people for whom like, they're like, it's right. too much. And like, the, like I have a friend who ended up sort of starting a local co-working space because he was like, I can't working from home. Doesn't work for me. Like I need, I need enough of like enough mm -hmm. structure. Um, which I think is a thing that 
as long as you are in a, like, if you're privileged enough to be in a job position where you, you get to find what works best for you, it's really, it's really lovely to figure out um, what works for you and to be able to set up a structure that sort of works best for your brain, for the kind of work that you need to do in a day. Um, and maybe even like setting it up so that like, mm-hmm. like I am, because I work with, um, with clients in a way where I get to sort of like, I'm usually the driver of when meetings are scheduled. I usually schedule my meetings and calls for the afternoon because my, my sort of my focus is sharpest in the morning. So when I need to like produce deliverables or sort of like really think through some kind of complex problem, go really deep on something that like three or four hour chunk between breakfast and lunchtime is a really that's like a really sweet spot for me to get stuff done. And so I try to like not schedule any calls and meetings mm-hmm. during that time. Um, because I'm, I can do calls and meetings in the afternoon, but like, I can't write really great strategic documents in the afternoon for the most part. Um, so figuring things and finding what works for you, um, is so it's like, it's a funny thing because it, a, it makes my work better, right? Like, um, which feels a little weird because I'm like, yay, I'm a more efficient cog in the capitalist machine. Huzzah. Um, that's not like generally my goal, but part of doing <laughs> that also is that is that it makes me healthier, right? It means that at the end of the day, I've usually had like a good day. I haven't had like a particularly, um, I haven't had mm-hmm. sort of that stress of trying to do work in the kind of wrong brain space, having to do deep work at a time when I'm just really distracted or vice versa. Um, so, so yeah, it's a lovely thing to be able to, to figure out what works for you and then to make your day fit that as much as possible. I mean, it's not always, you know, can't do everything all the time. Perfect. But even just to have a sense of like, Ooh, if I could keep my Thursday mornings free and then all of a sudden you're like Thursday mornings become, become something different for you than just, um, any other day. Yeah. Yeah, that's but the closest thing I've done to that would be um, uh, for a little while, I was doing a lot of onboarding sessions for Blackfire and they were getting scheduled any time of the day, usually pretty early in the morning, but any day of the week. Um, And things got a lot better for me when I started to realize I can direct them (laughs) to to certain days. um, And it started to become a lot easier because I would direct people to Tuesday or Thursday. And I didn't get a lot of pushback from people. And, you know, of course, sometimes there's edge cases where it it may not work, but all of a sudden I would have like three back-to-back meetings on Tuesday and Thursday. And then I was done for the day. And that was awesome (laughs) because, you know, I didn't have to like, you know, try to figure out, okay, well, what am I going to work on now? Because I have a meeting in an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes there was nothing. You know, sometimes I, I just wouldn't work on anything because I knew I'd be interrupted at some random time on a Monday morning. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's kind of cool, too, is making sure that it might not always be what you expect either when you're looking at the thing, trying to find things that work for you. Um, the other thing I've been doing more uh, that we've actually talked about quite a bit on the podcast, I've been trying to do bullet journaling as much as I can. Um, and that does a lot for me just because I can be a little more organized about what's coming up, but being able to see that, yes, I actually did stuff today, um, especially working from home, working with, you know, multiple clients sometimes, 
uh, and doing a bunch of really diverse things, at the end of the day, it can feel like you did nothing because uh, there was nothing substantial. You know, maybe, maybe there was two meetings and I totally don't think of those as work. Uh, but, you know, I spent four hours discussing stuff with people. Well, I, you know, if I actually write that down, when I look at it at the end of the day or the next day, I can feel a little better about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, actually, I, I did quite a bit yesterday, even if it wasn't what I would normally consider, as, yeah. you know, getting things done as far as like tasks. Like actually, like I didn't write any code yesterday, yeah. but that's it's okay really important. I, did I think all this as a, as especially if your role like shifts over time, especially if you uh, have been doing code and you're moving a little bit more into like a management space or you're like doing team leadership, so much of your work becomes communication and like ceases to be working in a text editor, um, and, and you have to like you have to take some time to sort of reframe like oh the the thing that counts as real work is, is different than what it used to, it used to be like wasted time. I mean, it wasn't ever, but you know, being in meetings, but sometimes it felt like your productivity was measured on. And then as (laughs) job roles shift, your productivity, sort of your markers for success have to shift. Also, it's like people are, uh, it's sort of a a perennial thing that people complain about those, um, the stupid Mm -hmm. little charts on GitHub that say like how much code you contributed to open source projects. And it's like, only in like one particular yep. situation is that actually a decent measure of anything. Like there are so many valid reasons why people would be great coders and good contributors to open source mm-hmm. and not have any sort of like pretty GitHub graph. Um, exactly. That's actually more or less exactly what happened to me. I switched from being a, uh, individual contributor at the code level to doing more product management, more, you know, customer success, uh, client facing things. And it, it was really difficult for me for the first six months to really feel good about what I was doing. I felt very much like, what's the point? You know, I, I'm not contributing anything. I'm not doing anything. Um, but then once I started paying better attention to what I was actually doing, things got a lot better for me where I started to realize, yeah. okay, I'm actually accomplishing stuff. People are happy with the work that I'm doing. Yeah. So it's not a bad thing if I'm not actually, you know, committing code or I'm not, you know, actually looking at doing real work, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Helping other people do their best work is a really noble and beautiful thing that you can do when you're working in teams and in a community. Um, and And we sometimes... We sometimes don't really recognize the value of that unless it's a very obvious, like this person is a COO or something, but like helping other people right. figure stuff out and organizing their days and like making their own space better is, um, is sort of, it's a very noble and lovely thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that you had a, you have a hard stop coming up. Um, is there anything that, that you want to make sure and talk about on this topic or any other topics? Well, I was going to share a tweet, which I don't remember the author of, but when you were talking about um, <laughs> looking at the end of your day and and seeing um, mm-hmm. and seeing what you had done, I read a tweet a couple, I think it was probably two weeks ago at this point, um, that said something like, it was a person who said that they, they had sort of shifted the way they planned their week so that they started, and they actually did this on Friday afternoon, but basically the first thing they did in the week was... Um, or the very last thing they did planning for next week was that they figured out what would be one thing that if I got this done by the end of the week, I would feel awesome. And they just had like (laughs) one thing or maybe like two sort of small things. And, Mm -hmm. and so I started doing that because I love 
playing with things like that and seeing how they feel. Um, and it was really neat. It's been a really neat experiment to sort of like, uh, it's so easy to, especially if you're working on lots of different projects to have, you know, like something come up and to have like a meeting pop up and like a Slack conversation that like is great. And it was important that I was a part of it, but it also took, you know, 32 minutes that I thought I was going to be able to tack on to this other hour and a half. And so then it turns out I don't have enough time left, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff that ends up feeling like a really fractured kind of week. And so starting mm-hmm. by saying, okay, my top priority this week is to like get this one particular deliverable done, right. And to finish or to finish filling out this, you know, audit spreadsheet or whatever it is that I'm working on. Um, has been really neat. It's like when you find 10 minutes here and there, it's like you can actually use them towards that of, um, instead of having to sort of figure out anew what your priorities are at any given time. There's a woman whose work I really like. Uh, her name is Krista Scott Dixon and she works at a company called Precision Nutrition and she is like a nutritionist and also like a personal trainer. Um, and she writes, I know it's kind of random. Okay. Um, she also writes a lot of like posts about women's weightlifting, which is how I found her in the first place. Um, she writes these really great blog posts on the like nutrition, physical, like physical trainers blog about that. Like you, if you just sort of like switch the nouns out, it's like, it's about project management in tech. Like they're, um, they're really like profound and interesting about (laughs) the ways that we, about the ways that we like schedule our time and how we push through things that are difficult. And, um, they're really great. But one of the things she says, she said at one point was the idea that your willpower, uh, is an overdrawn bank account that like willpower is what keeps you from like slapping someone in the grocery store or like, uh, driving over the curb when you are frustrated on a commute or something like that. And so we shouldn't depend on willpower to make good decisions as we're like sort of going through our day that if you can, like if it's anything, and I think when she was writing it, she was writing about food choices, about like good making healthy snacking choices. Um, But I feel like it applies to everything is that Mm -hmm. if you have the ability to take some time at, at a time when you're not stressed out and sort of set up structures so that you can just fall back on the structures and you don't have to use willpower, then you will sort of just make better decisions. And so like the example she gives mm-hmm. in like the snacking, have snacks that aren't good for you in your house, have healthy snacks in your house, whatever your, whatever the healthy snack is for you, have those around and don't also have like a bag of peanut M&Ms because then you have to use willpower to decide right. to eat some like carrots or mm-hmm. a nectarine or whatever instead of peanut M&Ms. Um, which is hard. Right. And at the end of the day, you're tired. And like, we, like, there's all kinds of interesting brain research that shows that like people actually have what sort of amounts to a piece of their brain that acts like a muscle that you can use up willpower. And that if you've used up your willpower doing, uh, doing things through the course of the day that like, you just literally don't have any left at the end of like a stressful day. Um, and so I think about that when I'm talking about like scheduling and the way that I set up my office is like setting up rules and guidelines and sort of structures about when I'm allowed to have meetings and like, uh, what kinds of things I have at my desk and like, um, like I never, ever work on weekends, right? That's just a thing. Um, and when I was first starting out as like an independent 
freelancer consultant person. Uh, I definitely like worked on weekends sometimes because it's, I mean, it's a thing you have to do when you're like new and you are sort of not great at estimating your time schedules and things. Uh, but as soon as I could, basically as soon as I could get away with it, I just made a rule for myself that I was like, I don't work on weekends. And like having that rule and sort of having made it and decided that um, meant that it was sort of easier to stick with it, right? I didn't have to sort of debate whether one particular client was worth it or not mm -hmm. worth it. It was like, this is just a hard rule that I made at a time when I was making <laughs> sound decisions. And now I get to mm -hmm. just sort of rely on it all the time. Uh, and I don't have to, I don't have to sort of re-decide and use willpower. Uh, an awesome I just idea. get to use the systems that I set up um, instead. The, the thing that we always talk about with my, my wife and I is it's the worst thing you can ever do is to go grocery shopping when you're hungry. <laughs> uh, sort of along the lines of willpower because you end up getting everything exactly. that looks even remotely delicious right then and there. And it's right in front of you. So you get it. Uh, so yeah, the, I, I, I like that idea of not relying on willpower. Uh, yes. Especially when it comes to like snack foods and whatnot. For my desk, something that I've been doing since last fall is I found these amazing air plants. And uh, it's something that I haven't really, I haven't, yeah, I haven't really Ooh, ever fun. been a plant person. And I, I, you know, it always seems like it's going to be a lot of work. They're going to die, that sort of thing. But these things are actually really robust and hard to kill. Although I did kill one already. Um, but um, I, it makes me smile. <laughs> it makes me happy to have these living things around me. So that's one of the things that I've been yeah. doing is paying more attention to that kind of thing. Um, my, my wife and son give me a hard time because I went on a, a buying spree of uh, Hue lights uh, just because I wanted it to be nice and bright and pretty in my, my office. So between that and then these, these green plants, you know, I've been doing that sort that's the kind of thing that I've been doing to my desk uh, to sort of make it uh, more appealing or, you know, just bring me a little more peace and, you know, less anxious. Uh, what, what kind of things are you doing to your desk? Like what things make you happy about your desk? I have many plants, although it's summer. So we moved them all outside, but in the winter time, especially it's kind of even more important. Mm. Um, we actually, we buy, we buy a lot mm -hmm. of houseplants at Ikea because they're cheap. If you live near an Ikea, they're easy to find. <laughs> and if they've survived in like the basement warehouse or like the three months that they've been there before <laughs> they got sold, then they'll do pretty well at my house. Um, because I like, I, you know, I, I can right. keep plants alive, but I, I also, I feel like a plant needs to stay alive with the kind of care that I give it. And if I, I'm, I can't be fussy with it, um, so yeah, I really mm -hmm. love, I love having plants around my desk. I also, <laughs> we recently sort of rearranged the way our office spaces work. And so we finally put up like art that had been not up forever and ever and ever. Um, and it's such nice. a, it's such a funny thing. Cause it's like, I bought this print or I was given this print as a present or whatever, because I liked it. And so then of course, when I like walk towards my desk and I'm like, oh, there's that mm -hmm. lovely bird or whatever. Um, it's such a great thing. And it's such a, like, it's such a funny, small thing, but like I spend all day yeah. at my desk, like having a nice view from it and having, you know, like curtains that I actually mm -hmm. like instead of just like whatever random sheet we pinned up when we moved into this house 13 years ago, um, has made a big difference. <laughs> like it's, it's worth it. Uh, uh -huh. assuming that it fits sort of within your budget and your space and uh -huh. stuff, it is worth it to sort of make your workspace a little nicer. Mm-hmm.
Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, um, unless you have anything else, I think I think we might call this one done for now. Um, did you have anything? No. This has been a lovely conversation. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, hopefully, we can get you on uh, again to talk about something when when Dave is able to uh, peel his eyes away from hockey. Um, we can we can do a little more discussion on maybe some more uh, uh, techie techie angle things. Although I think that the the self care stuff is super important. Um, sure. We, I think we just wow we haven't released it yet, but we've also done an episode on some like mental health related things. So. Uh, you know, we, all of that stuff super important. Nice. Um, so anytime we get to talk about those sorts of things, it makes me happy. Um, yeah. So thank you for joining us. And we'll call this one a wrap. You've been listening to that podcast with Bo and Dave. You can find Bo on Twitter and Google Plus at Bo Simonson and Dave on Twitter at Dave Development. You can subscribe to this podcast and review it on iTunes. If you'd like to review us but don't feel like we've earned five stars, email us so that we can talk about your issues. You can also subscribe to this podcast with RSS from our website, thatpodcast.io. From our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter to get super secret extra content from Bo and Dave sent directly to your inbox. Like the music? You can thank Gorillo for allowing us to sample the track Dust Kingdom for our intro and outro. You can find Dust Kingdom and other tracks by Grillo at grillo.bandcamp.com, spelled G-R-I-L-L-O.